0: Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and where all good podcasts are sold. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Episode of fun here, it is the first day of spring, as this posts, and it is sunnier and warmer here in Colorado now that we're sort of over our uh, snow dump, snow apocalypse uh, that we had, um, I guess, last week. Oh, man, this has been a week. Uh, So, good times. But uh, the sun's coming out, spring is in the air, vaccines are happening. Normalcy is starting to appear as a potential goal or future on the horizon on the foreseeable uh horizon, like we can actually sort of see it taste it, get the idea that maybe we actually will have a regular normal summer again this year. Oh my goodness, wouldn't that be amazing? And what did it take? Science, common sense. Good policies, putting people in charge who actually give a shit, you know, about us, about what's going on, about, you know, at least doing something normal and usual about it. Uh, And I don't care what anybody has to say about it. The Trump administration definitely didn't do that. All right. Anyway, uh, now that I've alienated half the audience, (laughs) I'm going to talk about I just, I'm just, just so upset that it has taken us this long to get things back under control and back under uh, some degree of, 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 of foreseeable, like I said, normalcy, right? So I had to comment on that. I didn't mean to get all negative about it. It's just like, man, you know, it's just a little frustrating sometimes. Now, <laughs> on that note, uh, the main line of our protest or of our podcast this week is protests is talking about protesting. And I've been asked about this many times over the years and sort of put out a pretty negative, uh, you know, idea. I put out a pretty negative response on my part to people who go out and um, and ridicule or antagonize or harass, you know, Scientologists, cult members at all. You know, specifically, of course, with Scientology, we see certain people who go out with video cameras and and make a nuisance of themselves and try to annoy and 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 harass people who are in these destructive cult situations. And I have I've said from from the beginning and I still stand by um, the statement that, you know, using cult tactics or harassing people or stalking them and and arguing with them and calling them names or calling them out, you know, in a public forum with a camera in their face. Um, is a really dumb idea. It's, it's, you know, it might be cathartic for the person doing it, but it doesn't help anybody else to be, you know, that way. And I've, and I, and I, nothing I'm going to say in this podcast is going to take away from that. But I am going to try to offer some more nuance and some more information and some, you know, some other opinions and ideas about this subject because. It has come up this week uh, with this tour that happened in Clearwater, Florida this last weekend. Um, The Cult City Tours launched, and it launched in a pretty big way, and there was some kerfuffle about this, and it was reported about in the Tampa Bay Times and on Tony Ortega's blog, and if you're a Scientology watcher, you probably know what I'm talking about. I'll go over some of this and some of the details about it later on in the show here. But first, I wanted to discuss, um, you know, that sort of spurred this discussion. But me being who I am and, and approaching things the way that I do, I wanted to talk first a little more broadly about, you know, why is it and what, what are the goodness points, the, the, the right points, the correct points, the things that we do want when we talk about doing protesting, because I've, you know, while I've, I've ragged on individuals who have, you know, done what I consider basically is the tantamount to harassment or stalking, um, I do believe in protesting. I do believe that making a public display and um, an effort against an organization, a position, you know, a stand, uh, for, you know, a moral position as is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, a, it's a right that we have here in the United States enshrined in our, I believe, our Fourth Amendment and, um, you know, this right to peaceably assemble. And of course, the First Amendment gives us the right to not have the government interfere in us speaking our minds. And we run with that and, and say quite a bit. Sometimes some of the crap we say is pretty stupid, and in the heat of the moment, we say stuff that we look back on later and go, oh boy, cringe, cringe, wish I hadn't said that. And other times, you know, it really, some protests and some statements that are made and speeches that are given or, or things that are put forward are, are universally true, are evergreen, are things that we will never want to forget. Um, such things as the, you know, I have a dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. is something that is branded into history and hopefully will stay branded in history forever. And these are, you know, some of the most powerful words that people have ever spoken have been at public demonstrations. So, or protests or, you know, whatever word you want to use to describe it. And there are a lot of words for this. This is a big topic. This is huge and there's a lot to it. And we're not going to even get into, you know, half or even a quarter of of potentially what could be talked about when it comes to, you know, how people get together and decide that they're going to do something about some situation or person or group or uh, problem in a public way. They want to make everybody else know what the hell is going on um, so that everybody goes, hey, wait a minute, you know. And so let's go ahead and talk about a couple of those things, because I find it kind of interesting to look at, you know, break down uh, w- what are you doing and why. And and the reason I'm going to go over some of this is because it informs my attitudes and ideas and, and the commentary I'll have about this Clearwater situation this last week and Scientology protesting or protesting any cult situation or any destructive uh, authoritarian group situation or really almost any protest at all, right? These things can inform how we think about this and how we look at it. And, you know, you could, it's easy to just go, oh, this is just disturbing my peace. This is disturbing my comfort level. So it just shouldn't exist. <laughs> Get off my lawn, you know, kind of attitude. Um, and it, and it's not just old people who have that, by the way. <laughs> um, so let's take a look at some of this, right? Because, because uh, there's, 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 it's a nuanced topic, like, everything. Um, So first off, why do people protest, right? What's the point? Well, you get attention, get noticed, um, bring, you know, bring more eyes and ears onto the uh, subject or topic at hand. Usually it involves some degree of justice or uh, feelings of injustice, feelings of being done to, of of a lack of reciprocity, you know, it... And and I'll just kind of take this opportunity to throw in that you know from my studies of life and biology and psychology, um, I I feel very strongly, and, and this is and I, I gained this uh, learned this from Robert Sapolsky, uh, uh, an uh, anthropologist, uh, as a as a concept, and I and I'm and I'm running with it that um, that the basic the most basic equation. Or thinking process, I guess you could say, of, of of all of life, I believe, is tit for tat. You know, is giving and taking. It's an even exchange of things. And game theory ran all the scenarios on this stuff with computers and all this in the fifties and sixties, and figured out that ultimately tit for tat. You know, this back and forth is this, this this giving as much as you're receiving, and receiving as much as you're giving. Um, this is this is a very very fundamental equation to how life operates all the way down to the cellular and genetic level and um and it's just absolutely fascinating and then it has a lot to do with why we protest right because when there is a lack of this tit for tat this reciprocity this I'm giving but I'm not getting I'm you know or conversely I'm you know I'm uh, doing uh, I, I'm I'm uh, receiving too much abuse. <laughs> you know, I'm getting hit. I'm getting hit on. I'm getting uh, uh, tortured. I am. You know, people are being killed. I mean, there's too much force. There's too much effort. There's too much nonsense and violence going on. Right. So, um. So it can happen from either end of the equation. I guess is what I'm sort of clumsily saying here. Um. But this is a basic basic thing, and this is why there's so much emotion invested in to these activities is because people can get really riled up when they feel rightly or wrongly that they have been wronged, that they have been harmed, that they have given and not received, et cetera. Like you guys get the point. So, so the, so the justice factor here is, is key, I believe to why, you know, people would feel so energetic and, and and it, why they would feel it would be necessary to step up and step out, and you know, and, and from a social position, getting out and protesting is a is a gutsy thing. You're you're going out there. Your your face is out there unless you're masked, and um, you know, like Anonymous was in two thousand eight. Um, And that can be its own form of protection even, right? But again, even stepping up and stepping out, going out of your comfort zone, it takes effort. There's no one comfortably engages in protest, right? You have to go out of your way. You have to be bothered. And so the thing that you're protesting has to be big enough and strong enough that that it's worth that for you. And usually that kind of thing, the sort of thing that inspires that is, you know, is anger, rage, upset, you know, vitriol. Um, and and wanting to, you know, support what you believe is the morally correct or right or you know straight position. Um, even you know, and then we can go all down all kinds of paths as to how far people will justify their reasoning. But um, but it basically has to do with that. Okay. And of course, the other reason why people go out and protest or or engage in these activities is they're trying to not just bring attention they're also trying to rally support. They want people to be aware of, they wanna point to, they want to show, and they want people on their side. Usually people who are protesting feel somewhat in a minority position. They are fighting against something that is bigger and stronger than them as an individual or as a collective. Um, And so they feel that they're trying to, hey, help, help, hey. Anyway, you know, obviously, now, there's some interesting psychological mechanisms at play here because you have, um, you know, empowerment is a big, big part of this, and of course, catharsis, right? People have been wrong, they've been harmed, and this is a way for them to feel like they're doing something rather than nothing. And, it's, and there are many times in our lives when um, doing almost anything about a problem or situation or, or violation or, or issue is better than doing nothing. You know Now some of the things people do, of course, you, you wish they hadn't done it. It, 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 would, it would have been better if they had done nothing. But in terms of the, the the psychological, emotional component here I'm talking about, if you want to feel good, feel better, get some emotional relief of some kind, then you know, getting out there and, and making your voice heard, um, feeling heard, feeling acknowledged, getting, you know, a, a number of people saying, hey, you know what? You're right. That was wrong. Whatever whatever it was, that's wrong. That's a wrong situation, wrong person, wrong group, wrong rule, wrong law, wrong, you know, uh, regulation, uh, religion, <laughs> etc. Okay. Um, Real-world consequences of this, well, you're exposing violations or abuses. You want that kind of consequence, I mean, almost first and foremost. Of course, it also will help spur action by inactive leaders, people you are trying to get to notice you and take some action. Um, You want to put some, you know, you're trying to use a protest to exert some pressure in a certain direction. Um, Of course, it disturbs the peace or the calm. Uh, protests are not quiet protests. Well, they can be quiet. Actually, there are such things as silent protests, but even still, you're creating some kind of a, of a disturbance. you you, you know, there's some kind of a, of a thing out of the ordinary happening. Let's put it that way. An attention getting thing. Um, you know, this also tends to blow up things that some of us would rather be in denial about. Uh, which we will talk about with Clearwater. And, um, of course, there is embarrassment. There is humiliation as a result of protests. Social status can be threatened, which is exactly what cancel culture is all about. Livelihood can be threatened, which is a darker consequence of cancel culture. Um, you know, cancel culture is is difficult because the... Um, the moral underpinnings of the protest or the, or the, uh, the reciprocity, it tends to be, you, you know, there are question marks connected with these things, right? It's, and, and ruining somebody's life utterly over something that you just happen to have an opinion about is it can be a little bit rough, right? So that's where that comes in. But again, social status is, is a threat and livelihood is a threat. Now, it's also true that with um, protests around the world, sometimes lives themselves become threatened or endangered, whether it's the lives of the protesters or the people who are, or, or alternately, the people who are being exposed as the bad guys in this particular picture or scenario, um, you know, can receive death threats, can be stalked, can be harassed, and can end up even being killed. It's happened um, in the protest, outside the protest, right? I mean, if we, especially if we start including really violent protests or forms of uh, rioting and things like that. Um, and, of course, the other thing about this is that sometimes there's no consequence at all. Sometimes you go out and do a protest or you go out and you try to make some noise and and get some attention on something and no one cares. And it's kind of interesting because this led me to, in in looking into this just a little tiny bit, I found um, a study that was conducted um, on this topic of, of attention and what kind of effects do these have. And this is an older study actually. Um, So it's not actually brought up into the Internet age, but it's an interesting point. Nevertheless, a study of 342 U.S. protests covered by The New York Times from 1962 to 1990 showed that such public activities usually affected the company's publicly traded stock price. This is against companies now. The most intriguing aspect of the study's findings revealed that the amount of media coverage the event received was of the most importance to the study. Stock prices fell on average of one-tenth of a percent for every paragraph printed about the event. Quote, We find that the size of the protest actually doesn't matter at all, said lead author Braden King, an assistant professor of sociology at BYU. You can have a very small protest with a lot of media coverage and do more damage to the company's image than a large protest with a lot of participants. Obviously, the idea being that that large protest didn't receive as much media coverage. The drops usually took place on the day of the protest or the day after. And get this the prices tended to return to expected levels about five days after the event. So, how long will your public shaming last? How long, you know, what kind of an effect are you going to have? About five days worth of an effect if it's just that one action and this is why sustained campaigns of protests are really if you really want to enact social change then you need to have a campaign a single protest a million man march even is gonna get you a long way for a little while and then it's over and then five days later people don't want to hear about it anymore they forget they move on That's the nature of humans. It's not about blame, shame, and regret. It's just the way we are. And so the the continual reminder will keep it there, right? And that can last for a while. But then you hit the uh, phenomena of a fad where, you know, protests or social justice activities or actions, or not not even social justice, just justice actions, you know, they, they, they become this flash in the pan event. And this is the. This, I believe, since the 1990s, I would predict that five-day window has probably, my hypothesis, if I were picking up on this study and I were going to do it now in the internet age, I believe the time frame has shortened up. And it's not even five days anymore, you know, before the stock price goes, returns to normal, so to speak. Now, with a, with a group like the Church of Scientology, they're not interested in stock prices, but they are interested in influx of new people. They are interested in influx of money because they are a money-making scam at the end of the day, and um, of course, negative attention. So when you get a sustained activity like Scientology in the aftermath, which goes on for three seasons, hitting them again and again and again, right, that's where you get long-term damage potentially being created depending on the efficiency and, and uh, um well, I guess efficacy of the um, of the the movement or activity, right? I mean, Leah's show is not um, a protest as such, but it has the same effect of educating the public, exposing abuses, bringing attention to what was previously not attended to, et cetera, right? So we can draw parallels there. Okay, so. Um, so that's kind of the subject in general, and I wanted to just kind of comment on some of that because I feel it's important to understand the bigger context of what we're looking at rather than just looking at a single incident in a single moment of time and analyzing that. When you get the bigger picture look, then it gives you more context and you can kind of have a bit of a, bit of a different perspective about what is and isn't damaging or harmful on a longer term look. And that's how I try to look at things. Uh, Most of the time, I try to give that big picture, you know, 300-foot perspective, Um, because I think that the longer-term look is the one that matters, you know. The short-term thing is, you know, it's flash in the pan, it comes, it goes. And so we come to this thing that happened this last weekend in Clearwater with the Cult City Tours. Okay. so. This is a man named Ted Reinhart. Now a video just went up, uh, I, w- I just watched it today, it went up yesterday, of um, the city council meeting following this event, this this, this uh, tour that happened. So, so basically what occurred? Well, Mark Bunker, I guess in January, as a city council member, and Mark Bunker's been interviewed on this show twice, and you can go back and check out those podcast interviews. He's a great guy a uh, wise old beard man, I think he's also called, or wise beard man, anyway, he um, was a, um, he, he came into some prominence in 2008 when the anonymous protests happened because Mark Bunker stepped up and advised via video, um, you know, anonymous who were protesting Scientology and he gave them some some advice that they actually wisely took and as a result of 2008 year long protests of scientology you talk about a sustained campaign anonymous organically engaged in one and it was it was a beautiful thing to behold well not for me at the time i was in scientology when it was happening but you know in hindsight i look back on it and i think good job guys um because that was that was the key turning point for the whole thing with was, was as far as Scientology is concerned. So Bunker came into some prominence there. He was also earlier part of the Lisa McPherson trust back in the late 90s and was working to expose Scientology back then. So he ran for city council, he got on city council specifically on a on a platform of, "Hey, let's do something about Scientology in this town." And um, because the citizens of Clearwater are fed up. They're sick and tired of the Scientology problem. If you go ask them, if you go talk to them about it, that's what they say. They are sick and tired of it. You know, Scientology owns a, a substantial amount of real estate in downtown Clearwater. It's off the beaten path of the tourists, but it's not off the beaten path of the locals, And we've talked about this, and I've also had Aaron Smith-Levin on to discuss in detail Scientology's effects on downtown Clearwater. And while they are not as horrible and terrible and awful as their reputation would seem to imply or put out, you know, Scientology is actually pretty defanged these days they still have this scary reputation and Clearwater Florida is the center of the Scientology universe it's not Los Angeles it's not the gold base it's Clearwater that's where David Miscavige spends the majority of his time according to all the reports we have and it is where they invest by far the most amount of their money and it is where they at the you know at the same time make most of their money the Clearwater Scientology base Uh, is huge. It's got many many buildings. They are quite large. They dominate the Clearwater skyline. So Scientology's presence there is not nothing. Um, And so Mark Bunker suggested maybe capitalizing on this by putting some kind of a maybe a museum or a tour, some kind of a little thing of downtown. And his idea was, hey, let's, let's revitalize this area. Let's put some positive attention, positive vibes into this area. And let's capitalize on the fact that people know about us. Through this Scientology, you know, shadow that hangs over Clearwater. Well, let's bring it out into the light. Let's let's talk about the elephant in the middle of downtown. Let's expose it. Let's put a name on it. Let's you know, let's capitalize on this and bring um, some positive vibes. Let's let's you know, sort of flip the script on the whole thing. Well, Scientology, of course, is not at all interested in that, but it turns out neither is the Clearwater City Council, the Clearwater Chamber of Commerce, the Downtown Business Board, the Merchants Association, and anybody else basically connected with this idea. Um, because what ended up happening is Mark Bunker puts this idea out, and a man named Ted Reinhart jumped on it, and he decided to to form up... A, a company called Cult City Tours, and um, and we'll talk about that name because it is problematic for a number of reasons. But he decided on his own bat to go put this together. He did not consult with Mark Bunker first, and this is all laid out in this in this Clearwater City Council meeting that was held, and. Um, Anyway, so they, um, so Ted goes ahead and and does this, gets in contact with, uh, tries to to reach out. He he tells the city council that uh, before he launched it, before he even named it, just in when it was in the idea phase in January, he sent letters out to the um, Chamber of Commerce, downtown business board, even Scientology. And he said, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking at doing this thing, I'm putting this business together, I'm gonna get the license, we're gonna do these tours downtown. None of them responded to him. They didn't even answer his communications to coordinate or see what they would think or have any input at all. They decided, no, we're not gonna pay any attention to this. So Ted went ahead and he coordinated with um, Aaron Smith Levin and they decided that they would, um, he, he branded it Cult City Tours, you know, I don't know about Aaron's uh, involvement in that part, but uh, what did happen is, um, as Aaron explains in the video, right? They they the sort of a confabulation of events. Mark Headley coming into town, he wanted to do a tour. Well, Aaron jumped on, then Mike got on and said, "Let's do a Scientology aftermath reunion." And let's have everybody, you know, give a tour. And, and people flew in and, and, and money was raised. And, and it, was a, it was a fun thing. And it was done on March 13th, which was Hubbard's birthday. Uh, so, you know, what a confluence of, of uh, things to come together. Well, one thing, you know, led to another. Sort of some bad things happened. And let's not forget that here's the thing. So this kind of fun activity gets organized and put together, and it's an effort, again, remember, this is all riding on the the initial effort as originated by Mark Bunker as a city council member, which was, hey, let's have some fun with this. Let's do something light. Let's do something educational, and let's do something that's actually going to bring some business downtown. Well, this is exactly what did happen, but Scientology— decided that they were gonna be a little poison pill. And they went around, Pat Harney and uh, somebody, uh, Amber Shellset or something, and and another Office of Special Affairs staff member went around to the businesses downtown and told those business members a pack of lies about Aaron Smith-Levin, Ted Reinhart, the tour, Mark Bunker, et cetera. And they mixed it up with a little bit of truth like the fact that Mark Bunker had had an injunction against him to stay off Scientology properties back from the Lisa McPherson Trust days. And they used this crap as ammunition to spread black, what they call black PR. They engaged in what is called a black PR campaign, Scientology's own terminology for it. And of course, it's, you know, English terminology as well, but you get the idea against these individuals to discourage any of the downtown businesses and restaurants from cooperating with or servicing the people who were doing this tour or who are on this tour. In other words, Scientology went around and violated the human rights of everybody connected with this tour by lying about them, by slandering, libeling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, these people to the business owners with the effect that the business owners did not want to service these public uh, people on these tours or have anything to do with the tours. That was Scientology's doing. As a result of that, Ted flew off the handle because he's apparently got a temper, and he decided to give these businesses who were rejecting the tour or negatively responding to it— He gave them negative TripAdvisor reviews, I'll show you guys, and he accused them of being in collusion with Scientology and, you know, I guess they just want to serve a Scientologist and he basically flew off the handle. Not good. Not a good look. Not a good action. Ted screwed up. And um, Ted screwed up because he didn't recognize that he was playing right into Scientology's hands by doing what he did. And this is really speaks to kind of the heart and soul of the entire tour, the entire subject of protesting Scientology in the first place. You know, this tour is not a formal protest, but it kind of is. So what are they protesting? Well, they're protesting this exact kind of activity where Scientology has free reign to run around downtown Clearwater and destroy potential business and money coming into those businesses and Clearwater's name by lying. And they're the ones who walked out of this scot-free as far as the city council was concerned because Ted flew off the handle and wrote these TripAdvisor reviews on a couple downtown businesses. And in the course of The two or three days that these things, I guess, were up or online, if it was even that long, how much business do you think was turned away from those restaurants because of Ted's single review on TripAdvisor, right? Probably none. How many people even read them, right? But it had a very negative effect because Tracy McManus decided that she was going to write about that as the key thing to talk about with this tour. And so that riled up the city council and the people of Clearwater against Ted and against what he was doing because now Ted was the bad guy for being riled up by Scientology. This is what Scientology does. They rile people up behind the scenes. They're the bullies in the shadows. Scientology is the group riling people up, antagonizing people. And then they get to sit back and watch as everybody fights over what they did. And they get a pass. It's kind of sick, isn't it? But see, what happened is because Ted did this, Mark Bunker had to talk to him. I think Aaron talked to him, chilled him out, got him to apologize. He literally went and contacted these businesses. I'm sorry. I really screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. Took down the reviews, right? Said it was a mistake, really flew off the handle on it. And he was was feeling pretty righteous at the get-go, right? I mean, Tony asked him about it. I think they posted this on Sunday or Monday. There was a story about this on Tony's blog. Tony contacted him from the Tracy McManus story, he, he reached out to Ted and Ted was like, yeah, screw these guys, right? Well, Ted calmed down <laughs> as he should have and got a little lesson in how Scientology actually operates. And he went to city council and he explained himself and said what happened and, and was quite, um, you know, showing remorse, very much so, that he had, um, you know, flown off the handle. So at this Clearwater City Council meeting, Aaron said that Scientology actively thwarted meaningful economic activity from occurring in the downtown area on Saturday, something to keep in mind. That was, you know, that's, a, that's almost word for word quote there from what Aaron said when he gave his three minutes on what happened and his activities there uh, to the city council. The city council then spent the next half hour or so starting with the mayor going on a roll about how it's damaging and how the cult city tour's name alone is so offensive and so awful and Clearwater's not a cult city and how dare you and he went on this roll against this poor guy Ted and his effort to bring exposure to Scientology's abuses instead of correctly targeting Scientology for the little poison pill that they introduced into the downtown that started this whole thing. And this is the blindness that exists in the Clearwater City Council. This is the tone deaf reaction that that they have to what Scientology does. Is they're more upset about noise than they are about the source and cause of the noise. And they're gonna yell and scream like a bunch of old white guys, which is what they are. Uh, You know, this whole get off my porch kind of attitude. It was really quite disgusting to watch the mayor of Clearwater and other Clearwater City Council members talk about how our merchants have struggled for years, they say. And here's somebody actually stepping up, trying to do something about it, and all they have to do is say bad things about him and his efforts and ignore and give Scientology a total pass. What you see in that Clearwater video is the exact problem with Clearwater. It's city council. These, ugh, I am just, I am obscenely upset with the Clearwater City Council and the fact that they are so blind to the problem, the elephant sitting right in the middle of their downtown. You know, they think that they can give a little and give a, and get along with Scientology. They still suffer from the delusion that Scientology is a reasonable group, that it is a religion, that it is a valid activity, that it should be given as much credence as any other business or activity in the downtown area of Clearwater when Scientology has proven from day one to be a covert money-making scam operation that is raping and pillaging Clearwater for the last 40 years and the Clearwater City Council is apparently completely fine with it. That's my take on the Clearwater City Council meeting this week. I'm from afar. I live in Denver. I don't live in Clearwater, so maybe I don't see things the same way there as people who live in Clearwater. I know my language on this is rather strong, but after watching, you know, uh, the mayor of Clearwater rip into Mark Bunker, watching another Clearwater city council member rip into Mark Bunker as though he was the cause of this, as though he's the problem, you know, screw you guys, fuck you guys. You guys have, are utterly blind and clueless about the actual problems in Clearwater. And, uh, you know, anyway, there you go. So that's my sort of uh, blunt response and, and, you know, quite honest response to watching these fudgy old men screw around with Scientology and get played by them. Because that's the actual problem I'm having is I am obscenely upset Because I'm watching a bunch of old guys sit on the city council for years getting played by David Miscavige over and over and over again. Who pulls the strings? Does he pay them? He doesn't have to. He just has to hit their buttons. And they're like little wind-up dolls. And they do exactly what he wants them to be doing. That's the Clearwater City Council right now. Mark Bunker is an exception to that rule. He is the one guy there who is stepping up and stepping out and trying to do something about it. And thank God for Mark Bunker in Clearwater. The Clearwater citizens should be bending over backwards to thank Mark Bunker for the work that he does. And um, I really hope that when Aaron declares and, and, and runs for city council this year, that he gets on board too, because it is high time for those people to get a clue. Anyway, I will link uh, in the show notes to this podcast, the video that I am uh, so upset about, uh, the Clearwater City Council meeting. Um, and you can see Mark Bunker talk quite intelligently about the Scientology problem you can see uh, Ted Reinhart go up and speak for himself. He he, he uh, holds his own position and explains himself quite well, and Aaron Smith-Levin, who also explains the situation quite well. And then you can be infuriated, as I was, by watching the mayor and the city council members respond to this as, as though they're a bunch of idiots, because on this matter, they are a bunch of idiots. And that is my take on that. I hope... That the Clearwater City Council, I'm sure none of them are going to watch this video or hear listen to a thing I have to say, but I truly hope that the people of Clearwater step up and let the Clearwater City Council know that they are not happy with what just went down this last week in the Clearwater City Council meeting, and that they better see an attitude change from these guys about the Scientology problem, because it clearly is a problem. And it's a problem that isn't going away and won't be solved by ignoring it. You know, David Miscavige and the Office of Special Affairs do not have anything else to do all day but screw around with people. That's what they do. And after all these years, it's just so frustrating to see these kaji old men just sit there and take it to the chin over and over and over again. And then fight amongst themselves about who deserved it more is kind of the, you know, anyway, you guys get my point. You know where I'm going with all this. Um, Another thing I will put out there about this, by the way, is I think that one reason why you see this kind of response is because it's the noise that people find offensive. If everything is all calm and chill and normal, then they're happy. Even if Scientology is calmly, quietly getting away with every single human rights abuse it can on a daily basis within the town of Clearwater, they're okay with it as long as it's not upsetting the calm or, or making anybody upset. I really get sick and really sick of people who have that attitude, but kind of that's kind of what comes across from these guys. So anyway, choice words from me. Um... Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for checking in this week. I hope that this podcast, I know, brought you something (laughs) of interest and entertaining. Um, And I will wrap up now because I don't have anything else to say on this. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.